So here we are closing up the essential series, and I've been loving this series. I love looking at the things that matter to Jesus. And so we've looked at uh, three things so far, three things that Jesus was all about, three essentials, three things that he would look at and say, okay, this is really important to me. This really matters. This is what I'm here to do, and this is what I want my followers to now do. And so we were kind of going through, and I felt like we should add a fourth one that we're going to talk about tonight. But one thing I love that I see happening is that our church isn't just talking about these things, but we're really trying to do these things. We're really trying to follow Jesus' example and go for it. Week one, we talked about bringing grace to people, right? Bringing grace to people who don't believe like we do, people who don't live like we do, people who uh, might offend us, people that might not talk like us or think like us, and, and just being people that instead of being condemning and judgmental, we bring them grace. We bring them the love of God. Instead of telling them what they're doing wrong, we tell them what God has done right for us, what he has done to, to rescue us and save us. And I love that. I, I see so many of you guys are these, these people who bring grace. Yeah, I know you're bringing it to your campus, bringing it to your neighborhoods, to your homes, and I think that's so awesome. I just say, keep going. I had a cool opportunity the other night. I was out walking late at night, and um, this is just something I love. I love being outdoors in the fall, and so I, late at night, I, I go on like kind of these prayer walk slash runs. When I feel motivated, I call it a run uh, for about a block, and then I see the prayer walk again, and uh, so I'm just out there, man. I'm just, I just love being out there. I mean, it's just beautiful. I love just seeing the stars up there and just being like, okay, if they're like all where they're supposed to be, then God certainly has my life under control. Everything's cool. You know, it just puts me back in perspective. And uh, so I'm walking around my neighborhood and just praying for my neighbors, praying for you guys. Um, and as I'm walking around, I see this guy who's just sitting on the curb, just smoking a cigarette. Again, it's probably like midnight, just chilling. So I'm like, hmm. I just felt led to just kind of, as I kept walking, pray for him. So I made another lap around the neighborhood. And as I'm on my way back, I'm starting to think to myself, I'm like, I wonder if that guy's still there. That guy is still there. And so, you know, and, and I just felt, and, and I think God's got to lead you in situations like this, you know, especially when it's like midnight and he could kill you. But uh, as I got closer, I just really felt like I should go talk to him. And so I just went up to him and I said, bro, it's going to sound really weird, but I just wanted to ask you if there's anything I could pray for you about. And uh, he just kind of said, what? <laughs> and uh, I, I had my hand in my pocket on my key. So in case he pulled the gun, I could stab him in the eye, you know, and, and then tell him Jesus loved him and then pray for healing, you know. But uh, so... Here he is, and, and, and he, he just kind of eventually said, I never really thought about it before. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to be just praying for you in a general way. What, what's your name? I said, my name's Doug. And he said, my name's Sal. And I said, Sal, I'm going to be praying for you. And I said, and, and this sounds totally crazy. I'm a total stranger. You don't know me from anybody. But I just want you to know, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus loves you a lot, that he died for you, and he rose again, and that I've been through some really hard things in my life, some dark seasons in my life. Maybe you have been too, and he can really make sense of it. And uh, I said, I live right down. I gave him directions to my house. It might have been insane. But I said, I live right down that street. I'm two doors over. Anytime you want to talk, call and knock on my door. And he said, I'll think about it. And I'm just thankful that I saw the example of Jesus. It wasn't to sit down next to this guy and say, dude, you should stop smoking. What's wrong with you? Right? I mean, that's really what the church at large is known for. It's looking at people who don't believe like us or think like us and say, stop doing that. And instead... By God's grace, I was able to just extend him grace. And that's what it looks like. And it's a beautiful thing. And I love that so many of you guys are doing that. And the second we talked about, like I said, discipleship. We talked about helping people become followers of Jesus. And I love that our community groups have kicked off. And we had an incredible kickoff in our group. I know many of you guys did too. If you didn't sign up, you missed out. There's going to be another opportunity in a month or so. 
But man, what an incredible time. And I love the mission of the community group because not only are we going to sit around on a couch and talk about what Jesus is doing in our lives and try to encourage each other that way, but we're going to get out in, into the nitty-gritty, man. We're just going to go for it. Our community group is meeting at a woman's house this week. Uh, uh, she's a family member of one of our group members who just recently lost her husband. She's an older lady, has a lot of health issues, and we're just going to show up at her house and clean her house. And we're going to pray for her, and we're going to tell her God loves her, and we're just going to try to be Jesus to her. And so I love that these groups have kicked off with mission, with ideas to go into the community, um, and not just talk about being disciples, but really be disciples and really follow what Jesus has, has set us in as, as an example. And then last week we talked about healing. And we talked about how God is a healer and how he wants to use us to bring this healing to others. And we talked about some of the obstacles that sometimes we have to push through and hang on through and trust God and wait for his timing, but that ultimately God wants us to bring this healing to others. And it was so cool because as I closed the message out at the eight, I got down off the stage and Andrew was up here and he came right over to me and said, all right, who can we pray for? And instantly this woman came up to him and kind of interrupted us and said um, to Andrew, said, I need to give you a hug. And he's like, I don't know who you are, right? I mean, it's just got in this moment. And um, ladies, I mean, that's one way of doing it, I guess. You know, Andrew, I just need to give you a hug, man. I feel like the Spirit's leading me right here. Anyway, um, so he says, he says, well, what's going on? She said, last week, my nephew came up to you at the end of the service and told you that he and myself and my sister needed to leave because I was in so much pain. And rather than just saying goodbye, you prayed with him for me. And as I walked out, I began to feel like God was doing something in my back. She's had horrible back pain. She has um, arthritis in her back. And as she was getting to the car, she looked at her sister and just said, don't call me crazy, but I feel much different than I did before. I feel like the pain in my back is lessening and lessening. She woke up the next morning feeling like she had it in a long time and had an amazing week of pain-free backness is the only way I could put it. And so she came back to thank Andrew and to say, God did it. God did it in my life. And so here I step off the stage talking about healing and God already had a story for us about how he was coming through as the healer. And so that's so exciting and so neat. And I want to continue to say, let's keep going. Like I said, during my prayer, somebody tonight came up to me and said, during the worship, I felt like God was doing something in my body, healing me physically. And we'll, we'll see the rest of that story another night, maybe. But how awesome to see that God's doing these things as we pursue them. So that's what I love. I love that we're not just talking about these essentials, we're trying to live them. And that's, that's our heart. So tonight I want to talk with you about the fourth essential. I kept reading through the Gospels and, and I, I just couldn't stop uh, seeing this one. It was just everywhere. And it's Jesus' heart for the poor. It's Jesus' heart for those who don't have what you and I have. And I would turn the page and I'd see another story. And I'd turn the page and I'd see another thing he would say. And Jesus talked about... Uh, money and the way we handle it and how we should care for the poor more than any other subject he talked about, more than heaven or hell or any sin. He talked about that because he knew what a struggle it would be for us. Uh, in the book of Luke, one of every seven verses has to, talk, has to do with money. I mean, one in every seven, that's crazy. And he knew, and the great thing about Jesus, he never asked for any money. So we know that wasn't his motivation. He just knew something about money. He knew it would try to take our hearts. He knew the stuff we could get with it would try to um, captivate us and be the thing that we're about. And so money's not a bad thing. We're going to talk about that tonight. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. I'm not saying if you have money, you're a bad person. But the problem is, is that we as Americans often 
keep it, hoard it, hoard stuff. Not, and, and not even if that was the worst part of it, but the worst part of it is at the expense of those and so many around the world who have nothing. And so I was just thinking this week about all the, the technology. I was thinking about even if you went back 10 years ago, right? If, you, if, if I was able to go back in time 10 years and tell people about what's going on in 2011, they would not believe me. They would be like freaked out, like all the toys and the cool technology and stuff we have. I was actually thinking it would probably freak them out on many levels. You know, like think about social networking, which we have all these iPads and iPhones and iStuffs and uh, Macs and computers and all this stuff to be able to use all this stuff, right? I was just thinking about, imagine telling somebody, you know, uh, did you see that picture I put on your wall? Be like, you're in my room? (laughs) What are you doing in my room? You know, I was like, like Twitter, like, following you why you know it's like what are you kidding you know, did you get that spam in your inbox and just really just run away that's it i'm done with the spam you know and so i mean here we are we've got all these toys i mean can you imagine someone being able to describe like an iphone you know what i mean like even 10 years ago that's not that long ago you know being able to say i can walk around i can make phone calls i can text they'd be like what's a text you know i i can uh, go on the internet i can send email i can get directions I can flick an irate green bird across the, sta- uh, across the screen until it runs into some randomly stacked uh, glass and rocks and wood until it all crumbles on a green pig and squashes him to death. And they'd call me a liar. You know what I'm saying? Like all here, right here in my pocket, right? And so I think we Americans, man, we love our toys and we love our stuff. And we're going to talk again about what the balance of that is tonight. But I think as Americans, we tend to go overboard. Right? We, we tend to be all about stuff, or we tend to just be super excited about the next thing. And, and man, I can fall into that too. And I'll tell you, one of the things I struggle with most, I would say, in my Christian walk, is knowing where this line is. Is knowing, recognizing, all right, I have a lot. What do I do with it? How much is okay for me to enjoy? What is supposed to go to others? Where do you draw that line? And tonight, I want to kind of try to help you to at least be thinking this way. I want to help you to start saying, all right, maybe this is something that I need to uh, pay attention to. Um, I always try to convince us that we're rich. I know we don't believe it all the time because we pay the bills and we struggle and I'm with you on that, you know? I mean, for me right now, things are pretty tight and you know what? Yet we're the rich in the world, right? The statistics are if you make a, or if your average household income, so some of you guys, this is you, some of you guys, this is your parents, okay? You come from this home, if it's $40,000, then you're top 5% in the world. If it's $50,000 a year, not just talking about your salary, but average household income, then you are top 1%, 1% in the entire world. And guys, that's, I would guess, most of us here in the room. Maybe you're not making that yet, but you can run home to mom and dad tonight who are making that, okay? And so we are the rich. And, and yet there's all this need before us, Right? Um, people have said, how much would it cost to end global hunger, right? It seems like a really big deal until you put it in perspective because the answer is $30 billion a year, right? So that's $300 billion for 10 years, okay? That seems like a lot. We're like, what could we do, man? And then you realize that we spend $15 billion on one day, Black Friday, in America, last year, $15 billion. So we could end global hunger for six months, with what we spend on one day on all of our toys. We, as Americans, last year, between Thanksgiving and, you know, the whole New Year deal, all the Christmas celebrations, all New Year celebrations, 
We spent $460 billion. We could end global hunger in fi- for 15 years with all that money. So we are the rich. We don't feel like it. I know I'm paying the same taxes. I'm you know, paying the same car insurance bills. I- I'm with you. But we got to wake up and realize we are the rich. And so what do we do? We have a responsibility then to do something with it. And I want to help you try to answer, ask some questions. And I want to help you try to understand what Jesus would want you to do. Because this was one of his essentials. I couldn't ignore it. I just kept paying, turning pages where he would say another thing and, and then say another thing. And this isn't a slap on the wrist. This is not, come on, what's wrong with you guys? Ultimately, I would say this generation, I love about you the fact that you have somewhat of a, a radar out for all this stuff. You have a desire to see the needs around the world met. You have a desire to, to come in there like Jesus did and serve the broken and the hurting. And I just want to motivate us tonight. And I want to wake us up. And I want us to start asking some tough questions of our own lives and see what Jesus might have us do. This is so important for us to talk about because I think ultimately we often just don't uh, wake up and go, oh man, there are people today that will die without food. There are people today that are stuck in a sex trade. There are people around the world who do not have a place to sleep tonight, right? We, that's just not our world, you know? We're carried away kind of just by the way life goes here in America. Um, in Virginia, when that earthquake happened, that's, that's where Uncle Doug was. There I was in Virginia as that thing took place a few months ago. And it was funny because here we are, we're in this amusement park when it happens. And my whole family, like my whole extended family, there's like 30 of us, we're, we're on this crazy souped up lazy river on steroids it was like you you put like a life vest on and this thing just like zipped you around this lazy river and so the earthquake happens and we are clueless we're splashing each other right i'm duncan kelly you know Uh, i mean we're just having fun everything's good we get out and everyone on the land goes yo did you guys feel that that was crazy i'm like what man that was a great ride what are you talking you know i mean i had no idea what they were talking about i mean some of you felt it i didn't feel it and the platelets were under me Okay, they're shifting under me, not you, okay? So this incredible thing happens, and I'm clueless. Because I got my life vest on, and I'm sitting back, and my feet are up, and I'm just getting dragged along by the current. And guys, that's America. We're sitting back, our feet are up, and we're getting just dragged along by the current. And Jesus wants us to do something about it. If you're not a Christian, we're really glad that you're here tonight. And what I want you to think of as we go through this message is, is what Jesus has to say. Because maybe you've looked at Christianity and thought, you know what's one thing I don't really like about Christians is they seem to be very much about themselves. They seem to kind of be about greed and selfishness just like anybody else could be. And I want you to see tonight that that's not the way Jesus wants it. And so let's look first at what Jesus had to say. He, he had something so challenging to say. I love, love, love these, these verses. And, and here's what's happening. Jesus is talking about his followers. He's saying, look, we're going to all, there's going to be a day you're all going to stand in front of me. You're going to stand in front of me. It's going to be a day where I judge what you've done here on earth. And here is part of the story. He says this, then the king, which is Jesus, will say to those on his right. So there's this one group of, of them standing before him. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Such a powerful answer. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? 
or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you, sick, or in prison, or go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Jesus, when did we, when did we feed you? We never fed you, Jesus. We never gave you a drink. We never brought you into our home. We never visited you, visited you in prison. We never came to you when you were sick. He's going, what you did, what you do for the least of these, for, for who might be considered the most insignificant on planet earth today. It's like you did it for me. It's like you gave me food. It's like you gave me water. When you partner with Love 146 to help these kids get out of the sex trade, it's like I was in the sex trade. See, that was me. You did it for me. And then he goes on. And he says, okay, that's the, that's the one group of you. And the other group of you I'll look at and I'll say, I don't know you. What do you mean you don't know me? Didn't I, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do miracles in your name? Well, yeah, maybe you did those things, but you know what you didn't do? You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't give me a drink. You didn't visit me when I was sick or imprisoned. And we see this 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 upside down world Jesus talks about where what matters to him, this essential of caring for those who are broken, caring for those who can't care for themselves. And so I think about that. I think about, man, so when I'm feeding a child across the world because of technology today, because I, I can get money into the hands of somebody on the other side of the world that, that needs not only food and an education, but ultimately to hear about Jesus then it's as if I'm doing it for him. And so that motivates me. This is not a message about guilt, guys. It's a message about love. It's a message about responding to the love that we've been given through Jesus. See, when Jesus is standing there saying, I'm going to stand there before these two groups, he's not saying, okay, you guys did a lot of good work, so now you can come into heaven. And you guys didn't do a lot of good work, so you can't. What he said was, my death on the cross and my passionate love for this group transformed you to the point where you became like me. And this group, and I'm not pointing out this side of the room, don't feel bad, but this group on my left, he'll say, you see, you guys didn't do these things because you weren't in a relationship with me. You weren't transformed to become like I am. And so it's not a works thing. It's a response thing. It's a love thing. It's a Jesus did this for me thing. How can I not do it for others? I love what 1 John says. 1 John 3. He says this in verse 16. He says, this is how we know what love is. Again, this is a love thing. I don't want you to carry guilt out of here tonight. I want you to carry love out of here tonight. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 17. Guys, this is America. See ourselves, right? If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. So he's saying, guys, if the love of God is in you, then if you were to see someone in need and you have and they don't, then you would do what you need to do to meet that need. Now, this is hard for us in America. It's harder for us on Long Island. It's harder for us in Nesconsa because you can't find a homeless person walking around these streets right here. You can go a little bit east, a little bit west, a little bit, uh, that's not west, that's south, a little bit south, a little bit west, and you can find some. But in this area you will not see a homeless person walking around. And so you're not driving in your car looking out at a homeless person going, I have, they don't. That's why it's not on our radar. What Jesus is saying is, all right, and what John is saying is, 
is, okay, we have the material possessions. And if the love of God is in our hearts, then it's got to move us to act. He says, listen, don't just, how does he put it? Let us not love with just words, but with actions. Let's do something about this. Let's get on this. And so it's so important that we're motivated by this. And I'll tell you again, guys, these verses, man, I mean, these things make me line up my life with Scripture and say, is this who I am? Am I doing the things that Jesus is calling me to do? And a a fairly common conversation in my house with my wife and even my kids is, all right, are we living this? Are are we doing this? Are, Are we okay with having too much? Are we enjoying too much while there are those that don't have anything and so we talk and we struggle together and guys i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you a straightaway answer tonight like if you're wondering oh thank god doug's finally gonna settle how much i should give how much i should or shouldn't have i'm just trying to help you ask i think biblical questions tonight so that you can wrestle with some of this but ultimately my prayer is is that you will be carried out of this place by love and you will act second corinthians 8 some of you guys might be saying so what do i have to like give away everything i have I'm just going to sell everything I have and, and go live in a cave somewhere or something like that. And the great thing about this is, is the answer is no. The answer is no. Okay? Jesus only asked one guy in the Bible to give up everything that he had. And the guy said no, and he walked away from Jesus. Okay? So tonight is not, all right, we got to give up everything we have. But here's what it is. is: Second Corinthians 8. Paul says to the Corinthians, I'm giving you my opinion because it will be helpful to you. Last year... You were not only willing to take a collection, but had already started to do it. Okay, so here's what happened. The people in Jerusalem were struck by war and famine. And so the people in Corinth said, hey, we'll help. We'll do something about that. Okay, verse 11. So finish what you began to do. Then your willingness will be matched by what you accomplished with whatever contributions you have. So he's saying, look, okay, you guys started walking down this road. You guys said you were going to help out. And then you kind of stopped. And I can kind of see us in that. I can see, like, I, I preach a message like this, and it's kind of like, all right, let's do this, man. Let's go for this. And the, the save a life bucket gets filled up. And that's a great thing. Awesome. People respond. Good. But what tends to happen is then a week goes by, a month goes by, two months goes by, and suddenly the save a life bucket's getting a dollar again. Because I think we just, again, we, we kind of get swept up by the current again. Just going the way that the world takes us. But what are, we, what are we to do? Look at this. This is a cool verse. It helps us out. It helps give us an answer. Since you're willing to do this, remember that people are accepted if they give what they're able to give. God doesn't ask for what they don't have. I don't mean that others should have relief while you have hardship. So, no, you're not supposed to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Because then you'd be poor and you'd need to be given to. That just adds more to the problem. Okay? So what he's saying is, give what you can Give what you're able. I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. But I think the problem with us in in America is that we would say, I don't have anything to give, when really, we probably do. We just need to look a little harder. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. The next part says, rather, so rather than giving up everything you have, it says, rather, it's a matter of striking a balance. So if if this is like one of those old school scales, you know, here's America. Just, we've got tons and tons of stuff. Here's the rest of the world, hardly has anything, right? Paul's not saying, okay, swap. What he's saying is, we need to even out. We need to even out. In America, we need to give so that those who have nothing can get and have, okay? Verse 14 says, at the present time, your surplus, so what you have extra, 
fills their needs so that their surplus may fill your need. In this way, things balance out. So what he's saying is, people in Corinth, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that there might come a time when you are in trouble. And just like you're giving to Jerusalem now in Judea because of their war and famine, the day will come when they can give back to you and meet your need. Now, as Americans, that didn't really register for us for a while. Like, we just never thought there would be a time where we might be in need. But with a $15 trillion national debt now, who knows? Maybe the day will come where we'll be the one saying, we need. And my question for you is this. If the countries that were going to help us in the future gave like we did, would we have what we need? You know what I mean? Like, Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. You know what I mean? And so, here we are, 10 years, and we're now the country in need, and we're now the country that doesn't have food, and we're struggling financially. What if other countries looked back and said, okay, well, we'll give you this much. If it was the same amount that you and I give to help the poor now, would it really make much of a difference? And so, we got to just say, God, would you just show me where I'm at? Show me what this looks like in my own life. And so, no, we don't sell everything. And the next question would be, well, can I own anything then? Like, nice? I mean, is it just about, like, food? And, you know, I mean, is that it? As long as I'm eating, I'm good? Okay, well, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we went through this in the Intertwined series, so I'm just going to fly through it real quick. But here's what we're to do. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to... Put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Okay, so it looks like there is some room for you and I to enjoy some things. It looks like there's some room for us to say, all right, this is a God-given thing. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to glorify God with it. I'm going to honor God with it. I'm going to have fun with it. My family is going to be blessed by it. My friends will be blessed by it. It'll, it'll be a tool that I can use to in some way, you know, hang out. I mean, even I think some of my, my guys on staff here, like they play Xbox. And they've literally, this is so cool to me, they've literally led people to Jesus while playing Xbox. That's so cool. I mean, here they are just enjoying some of the things that God has given them. And they use that to glorify God and lead people Jesus. Joey's like, I'm going to quit youth pastor and just play Xbox 24-7. You know, keep on leading people to Jesus, okay? So yeah, I think there is, guys, some room for enjoyment. But then he goes on. He says, so, so here's what we do. Enjoy the things God's given you. But verse 18, but command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they will take hold of the life that is truly life. So the way I look at it is, okay, what can I do here and now? What can I do here and now? What can I give up here and now? What can I lay down here and now so that people will have food, get education, and most importantly, hear about the love of God? And that will, in the same, in the same, at the same time, lay up for me a treasure in heaven that will last. Lay up a treasure that will matter, where Jesus says, where thieves can't break in and steal. And Ralston Muff can't destroy. So I asked the question, all right, what, what is it then? What, what do I have? All right, I'm going to enjoy some things, but, but what do I have that I can give up? What, what do I have that I can do for others? How can I be a blessing? 
pastor actually preached uh, a very similar message to this this morning. And we didn't even know that we were going to be overlapping here, but I, I'm stealing one of his quotes from C.S. Lewis that he used this morning. He said this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say it is too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our commitment to giving excludes them. C.S. Lewis is looking around in the world. He's looking at the poor. He's looking at the broken. C.S. Lewis actually, during, I believe it was World War II, Joey, he actually took kids into his own home. And that's actually where he was inspired to write the Chronicles of Narnia and all that kind of stuff through that experience. But, but here's a guy living what he's preaching. I mean, here's a guy, he's, he's obviously doing well. He's got, um, you know, a nice house, got some nice things. And he says, all right, this, uh, this is going to be an issue for me. I mean, he's a little bit of an older guy at this point, And he brings these people into his house. He brings these kids into his house who have either lost parents or have, uh, need to be, you know, moved to a different part of the country because of the war that was going on. That, that, that's, that's, like Tim Keller says, that's a cross in your giving. You know what I mean? Like, that hurts. But what's the verse say? Just like Jesus laid down his life for us, we should lay down our lives for our brothers, right? Jesus laying down his life, it hurt. It was the cross. And so for you and I, there needs to be some pain in this, guys. There needs to be some hurt in this. There needs to be a cross in our giving. Not just $5 in the save life bucket after tonight's message. But there needs to be, I would say, an ongoing thought process of, okay, there are incredible needs around the world, and I desperately want people to know Jesus. And so what can I do? How can I get involved with Compassion International or Love 146 or World Vision or the Save a Life bucket here? I'm not even telling you to give here if you're thinking I'm after your money tonight. I'm just saying, look to somebody who is saying, I'm going to meet the natural needs that people have and way bigger than that, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I would say try to avoid places that are just meeting natural needs. Because if Jesus isn't in the equation, then what ultimate hope are we all offering people? And so I'd say give to those places that are not only meeting physical needs, they are introducing people to the love of God. So, what does this look like? Well, this guy Chrysostom, he was a church father. He lived in 300s A.D., he was considered the greatest preacher of the early church fathers. And his thought was this, that in giving to the poor, you were already giving them what was owed to them. That basically his view on this was that God had given the rich money not to hoard and not to get, but simply to get it into the hands they belonged in anyway. You were just the middleman. And I think that's an awesome way for us to try to understand what the reason God has blessed us so much as a nation right now, and for this time anyway, with so much, so much resource. It's not to get into hoard, it's to be the middleman. It's to say, okay, I'm going to pass this on then to those, to those that need Jesus. There was a guy named William Carey, and he was a missionary in India in the 1700s. And uh, he was working over there. The, the money from England that was supposed to be supporting him was hardly getting there. He wasn't getting what he needed. His family was about to starve. And so he began to do some secular work to try to be able to take care of his family and continue to the mission, pay for the missionary work he was doing. And so his supporters back in England wrote him some letters. They were angry at him. They said, you shouldn't be doing this secular work. You should just be doing missionary work. And here's what he wrote back. He said, I only say that after my family's obtaining a bare allowance, my whole income, in some months much more, goes for the purposes of the gospel. 
in supporting persons to assist in the translation of the Bible, write copies, teach school, and the like. I mention this to show that the love of money has not prompted me to pursue the plan that I've engaged in. I am indeed poor and shall always be so till the Bible is published in Bengali and Hindustani and the people want no further instruction. So his attitude was, you know what? I use what I need and the rest goes to advance the gospel. I use what I need, the rest goes out. And so tonight, I want you guys to know that Jesus wants us to spend ourselves on the poor. That was an essential for him. It wasn't like once in there, it wasn't twice in there, it was over and over again. And he over and over again warned his followers about the deceitfulness of wealth. You know what that means? that, That wealth is deceitful? It means it's tricking you. It means it's saying, I will give you this. I will offer you this. You will be this or that because you have this. And the truth is, guys, haven't we all found we all get more money and then we all want more of it because it doesn't really satisfy. And so Jesus is saying, guys, look, I I, I know you you like stuff and you enjoy stuff. I'm not saying you can't have some stuff and, and, you know, have a few toys here and there, things you might enjoy. But ultimately, guys, The purpose is to advance the gospel. And so here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in. I can't answer this question for you. You have to answer this question uh, between you and God. God, God's got to give you this one, okay? I think what you do is, is you go home, you sit down, you go, okay, here's the money that comes in on a weekly basis. Some of you guys like, it's 75 cents, okay? I get that. Some of you guys that are in an interesting place right now, okay? But, all right, I'm going to look at this money first top, you know, 10% tithe. After that, I'm going to look at what my family needs or what I need. Gas, because I think, you know, this day and age, a car is an essential. Phone bill, I'd say that's an essential. I mean, you know, you could have could live without it, but it'd be pretty tough. Um, uh, you know, a place to eat or eat, a place to live, right? So, okay, that's next. Then I think you sit back and you say, okay, what are the toys in my life? What are the, what are the toys in my life? And then I think you, you really ask God and you say, God, would you lead me? And would you show me what's okay for me to enjoy? And the rest goes. The rest goes. You know, one of the things that I've decided to enjoy is, is an iPhone. And it's an awesome thing. Like I was joking about earlier, you can do all this cool stuff with it. You know, I literally like do my budget on here. It keeps me on track. I mean, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but it's also an awesome tool. I mean, I, I email myself more than anyone else just to remind myself of things. Um, you know, after, after church on Sunday night, somebody's like, oh, I want to be in this community group or the discipleship group, and I email myself, and instantly I get it, and I'm good. And so I see it as an awesome tool, you know. If I hadn't emailed myself, I would have forgotten, and the person would have come back, and they would have hated Jesus. And that's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. But, um, so this is, this is one that I enjoy. And do I have any moments where I'm like, should I even have this? Yeah, heck yeah. But for now, I go, okay. And, and there was a time I knew I had to give this up. I gave up an iPhone for about a year and a half, and I, I just needed to know I could. I needed to know that I thought Jesus was better. And then someone gave me that one, okay? So I think we got to say, all right, there's room for some enjoyment. And, and the things I enjoy, I'm going to use to glorify God, first of all, you know? But after that, I'm just going to say, all right, then, then what goes? You know, what can I give? Because if here I am, and I, if I have material possessions and I see someone who doesn't, 
I see someone who's about to start. I mean, this would be so much more real to us if there were literally people in this room tonight that would die tonight if they didn't have food because that's what's going on around the rest of the world. But it's, it's, it's hard for us because we're here and, and the blinders are on, man. But I think what we ultimately have to do is just go to the Holy Spirit and say, now lead me and direct me and show me because God has given us freely all things to enjoy. So there's some of that. But I, I got to look around my house and, and sometimes say, all right, what else could I give up? I mean, how much could I get for Cade? I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I'm just kidding. I'd never sell my, my firstborn. Um, but I think it comes down to just simply saying, all right, I'm willing, God. Now, now lead me. Now direct me, right? I, I think if you can sit with your money and you can say, okay, this is what comes in and, and here's tithe and here's what I got to live on and there's a little leftover bit, you know, I, I'm going to give that to one of these organizations that I'm going to help and I'm going to provide and, and see how God could use me, right? I think, though, if you do that and there's no extra, I think that's when you really do. You, seriously, you look around and you say, okay, well, then there's got to be some things that I can cut off. You know, maybe it's cable for a while. Maybe it's Netflix for a while. Maybe it's eating out two times instead of five times or one time instead of two times or whatever it is. But all I know, guys, is that this is an essential, and it's not about how much you give. Because some of you guys literally, you, you, like some of you guys are bringing in like 100 bucks a week right now. And you know what? If you can use $5 or $10 of that, or whatever God leads you to, $1 of that, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to, then you're part of the answer, man. And God's using you. Right? Some of us in the room, if we're honest, we could give a lot more than that right now. We could be giving 50 or or $100 a week or, or more than that to those that are in need and are broken. And so I just think it comes down to, all right, I'm going to look around my room. I'm going to, I'm going to look at my monthly bills. What could I cut out? What could I lessen? You know what's one Kelly and I did was, was cell phone minutes. We just realized we don't need all these things. You don't have teenagers yet, right? And so, you know, we, we cut them back. We're able to give that money. And, and it's just, sometimes it's just the little things. And it's another $5 this week I could give. Another $5. And I think that's what we got to be talking about, guys. Again, it's not just, not just putting a little money in there tonight at the end of the night. But I think it's this ongoing thing where now this is a budget. This is a budget. Okay, for me, you, you might say, all right, $10 a week is now going to the poor. And that's it. It's gone. It's like I don't have it. It's going in the sale that bucket. It's going out to compassion, whatever you want to do. Some of us in the room, it's 50, it's 100, whatever we can do. But I like to think about this. I don't know if this is the way it really works. I, I don't have any scriptural proof for this. But I, I would love to think that maybe the day will come when I'm standing in heaven. And somehow, I don't know if like God will just like bump somebody on the shoulder and go, yo, yo, he's the one that gave money so you could, you could eat and hear about me. I, I don't know, maybe. And then I get to just look them in the face. I, I just think that would be the most amazing thing. I can't imagine in that moment saying, you know, I, I should have I kept, kept that possession. I shouldn't have sold it. You know, I can't imagine saying, you know, I should have... We, we should have done the siding on the house. You know, we didn't do the siding on the house. I should have. The playroom would have been nice, but we didn't because I can't imagine. I, I think in that moment, I'm just, thank God we didn't do stupid siding on our already nice house. Thank God we didn't add a playroom. Thank God. And, and look, there are times you got to side your house and whatever, okay? I'm not coming down to any of that. I'm not judging anyone in this room. You do what God leads you to do. I'll go do what God leads me to do. That's that. But ultimately, guys, I just know this is an essential. And so... It's going to be different for each of us, but the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and enable you and fill you with love. It's simply a response. Jesus did this for us. We do this for others. It's what his followers do.
It's what we're supposed to look like when we're really his. And so I just say, allow, allow God to lead you. Allow him to guide you. And it's really ultimately a message toward freedom for you personally. The times when I know God said, all right, take that thing back to the store. Put it on Craigslist. Give it away. Don't do that. Take that money and do this instead. Man, it, it stinks sometimes, honestly. It's like, man, I, I, I like that. that. That was a cool thing to have. I really enjoyed having that. But, but then ultimately, I'll tell you, when that thing's back at the store and the money's back in my account and now I can send it there or this thing is sold on Craigslist or whatever it might be, there's such a freedom and there's such a joy and there's such a knowing that I believe this stuff, man. I really believe it. I mean, what's the saying? Put your money where your mouth is. I believe this stuff. And I've lived it. And, and, and I know I care more about eternity than now because I've said, I'll sell it. I'll give it away and let them live. Let them get food. Let them get pulled out of the sex trade. And most importantly, let them know who Jesus is. I can look around my living room and be okay with my setup and my, my area over there, my cool little stuff and say, you know what? I could have a lot bigger this or a lot better that, a lot more expensive this. But you know what? I'd rather there be more people in heaven. I'd rather give that up so they could know Jesus. And I don't do this perfectly, and I struggle. I got an iPhone. Don't know if I should, you know? But you know what, guys? We go with the Holy Spirit. We allow him to lead us. And we'll see some beautiful things happen. So let love motivate you to love. Let the way Jesus spent Himself on you and I, the poor, who gave himself to make us rich. Let that motivate you to do the same. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your unbelievable love and your unbelievable death and sacrifice for us. And Jesus, we just uh, look to you now, God, and we're all imperfect. We all don't do this well. I am not perfect at how I handle my money or my finances or my giving and I don't pretend to be, but God, we ask that you will continue to lead us. We ask you to continue to direct us. And I, I thank you that you have given us all things freely to enjoy. And I pray, God, that we will know what those things are and what those things aren't. I think of that scripture where it says, obedience is better than sacrifice. So we could walk out of here today. And say, I'm sacrificing my iPhone. I'm sacrificing this. I'm sacrificing that. And maybe God's saying, I want you to have that and enjoy that and glorify me with it. Or maybe he's calling us to give some of those things up. And so tonight, God, we pray that we won't sacrifice what you've called us to enjoy. And we pray that we will freely and gladly give up what you've called us to obey and give up. And so help us, God. We, we, we are people who love you. We love you more than stuff. And we love you more than money. And we want to be used by you to see many, many people get food, receive freedom from the sex trade, know Jesus, and live eternally. So help us. We thank you, Lord. If you're a Christian, would you take a second and would you ask the Holy Spirit to begin to lead you? And maybe while I was talking, there were some things that you began to think about that you know it could make a difference. It could be a dollar. It could be $5 a week. It could be more. I don't know. But would you say, God... Lead me, show me what it is. And would you, with joy, bring that to him? And every time you think about it, every time you look at, 
that video game system you gave up or that TV you gave up or that car you gave up or whatever it might be. You know what I do? I just, sometimes I'm like, man, that was pretty cool. And then I go, I'd rather see somebody in heaven because I don't have that. It's a powerful tool. It's a powerful thing to keep me reminded that this is a day-to-day surrendering to him. And if you're not a Christian tonight, I want to just say that Jesus gave himself for you. He spent himself on you. He, he, he stood in your place when you deserved death and you deserved torment and an eternal separation from him. And he took that on the cross. And he loves you tonight. And he's a giver. And he wants to be one to give you salvation and to give you joy and hope and to set you free to be like him. And so if you want to begin a relationship with him, you can pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for taking my place, for giving yourself for me and laying down your life for mine. Would you forgive me for my sin tonight? And would you help me to know you as savior and friend? And God, would you help me now to be someone who loves others and spends themselves on the needs of others, like you've spent yourself on me. Thank you for this gift of salvation and heaven and eternity with you. In your name.